Hello, welcome to Launch Left Podcast. I'm Rain Phoenix. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Follow us on all socials at Launch Left. Today's very special guest is Fences, and he'll be joining us along with Drew Jacaro. Did I say that right? Yeah, you did. You know that. Just barely. <laughs> so good to have you guys on the show. Yeah, thank you. Well, so at ease. Let's just chat. I know that intro puts people off like it's all going to be uh, an auctioneer's intense an auctioneer situation. No, you're delivering we're, cool. We're cool just going to we're just going to chat about music, art and spirituality. We were talking about spirituality off camera. Um, we don't have to get back into that, but it was very interesting. So I'm we'll get glad back we're there, rolling now. Sure, it'll land. Inadvertently, it'll happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, be, well, because the funny the funny thing about everything that that has been happening, particularly through Jack, is um, I don't want to dive in way too deep because I'm going to like sort of ruin the, the the ending of the episode. But I was reading Jack's work and being like, oh man, that's like Shakespeare. And then I was like, well, Shakespeare is like Hebrew twelve, and Hebrew twelve is like Sanskrit, and Sanskrit's like shamanic tales. So like everything is like like that, like and spiritual. When Christopher says Jack. He's talking about Jack Kerouac, mm. uh, who he's been rather intimate with in the last year uh, yeah. you andrew working on this project uh, it's a can you explain what it is because i'll do a terrible job comparatively i mean i might do a terrible terrible job too. maybe only. drew knows how to talk about it, it. well it's it I, well well that's why i like to have drew with me because we're kind of like good cop bad cop okay and but we also switch so yeah. it's like okay, no one perfect. knows what's going on yeah um but, but we're not the cops but we're but yeah we're like good a cab um, <laughs> but like on, yeah, honestly, sort of uh, his uh, family, I mean, what's left of it, just because, I mean, you know, homie died, like, before even, like, the punk movement started. I mean, he's he passed away, like, before I was even a thought, or my probably my mom was a thought, so he's a, he's a, certainly, like, a, you know, a, a Buddha in a, in a Buddha. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, but just seeing the ways that he's still alive with all of us was like really inspiring and um just sort of noticing how you know drew has lived his life sort of like oh like you know jazz guitar and rage against the machine and like like fuck you and and me being like you know jazz bass and then like elliot smith and fuck you and then it all sort of can connect to kerouac and uh, and that's what's so beautiful about him is that he just was uh, sort of the embodiment of the American idealism of freedom, and this was pre-hippie, and the hippie freedom almost felt a bit um, sort of cartoonish or sarcastic or something sometimes, where it's like, well, you have to have flowers in your hair. Well, it's like, no, you don't. You can wear a tie and still be like even more efficient. Is it overcorrection a little bit? Exactly. But a fun, artful one. Exactly. Yeah. That that's perfectly put. Yeah. Well, so uh, the nuts and bolts of it is the family reached out to Chris. Um, what family? Uh, Jack Kerouac's distant relatives, the estate of Jack Kerouac, people who are stewards of um, maintaining his legacy in a way that we now ultimately got to be a part of. But this is what they do: these people who are like really steeped in the in the beat generation and are. Um, looking for ways to uh, turn on a new generation to it and 
uncovering cool old artifacts that nobody had ever seen before that now we're hip to. So anyways, Jim Sampas is, is this dude's name, and he's a friend of ours now. He reached out to Chris and said um, about a year ago, Jack is turning 100. What do we do? Um, do you have any bright ideas about delivering, you know, marrying music to it, or maybe it's live performance, or, you know, just kind of uh, seeing, scratching uh, our little, you know, feverish ideas about always putting out content or, you know, whatever. And we came up with an idea, all of us, to, um, to go on the road, as Jack would have, and uh, pursue places that were significant to him and philosophize and read and dream and write and make an album um, in the motels and in the back of the bus and stuff all hopefully to be delivered to Jack's hometown on his birthday. An album and a film and our sort of offering to his ghost. Wow. And that is what we more or less ended up doing, although it took a lot of twists and turns as it does. As it does, yeah. Yeah. So did his 100th birthday pass? A month ago. Okay. And it, it, it was excellent. Yeah. We, yeah. we were there, and, and Drew and I were on the cover of the paper of the Lowell Times, which is this humble kind of, some might call it a terrible town. My father would be like, never lived there because he's from Boston, and it's a, you know, uh, there's some great boxers from there, and drugs and it's sort of a rough and tumble type of place you know but uh being there and it was kind of drizzling rain and all the buildings were really old and they had posters of him everywhere and then drew and i are wandering around being drizzled on with the rain we look at the paper and we're on the cover and the original scroll of on the road is in a fucking brick building like two blocks away i mean the original like where he just click 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 and it's like and the picture is me going like this, what I'm doing right now, and Drew's smiling at me, you know. And it's like that's that was so beautiful, and, and just being there, um, and and that's that's really what it was. It's like yeah, we went and celebrated his birthday, like where where he's from, and and uh, Sylvia, who is sort of the you know she does like all the media for uh, under underneath Jim or not underneath Jim, uh, not to be uh, you know derogatory, probably. Yeah, she's like sort of uh, oppositionally aside from Jim. They do it in, t- in, in tandem. But, uh, you know, she was like, do you want to go to Jack's old liquor store? And she drove me in the car through his neighborhood, and I went in there, and this like there was this little lady, and she was like, I can cuss on here, right? Yeah. She was like, what in the fuck did you put on your face, kid? Is that is that marker? Is that fucking real? And I go, no, I'm here for the Kerouac thing. She's like, oh, you fucking Kerouac kids. And it was so funny. It was just, like, beautiful. Like, we, we went there for not a shiny red carpet Hollywood event. We went there, and we just were being, like, you know, real. Like, like... We even got in some trouble because we were trying to rip fucking posters down and shit. And we actually, and the cops... This is giving me PTSD by yeah, like, yeah. these rivets, right? We got in trouble for ripping some of the stuff down. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, but we were... We, Lovingly. We, we didn't, like, destroy it. We just wanted to take some stuff home. With we us. wanted to take stuff down. But we came in guns blazing just like these, you know, like, just kids uh, from, well, I guess men from across the country that had been so 
pent up on this project and then finally the release boom and we're in Lowell and it's raining and it's his birthday and we just like we're like fucking absorbing all of it and to me um I have zero regrets and I'll never forget it and the stuff that will come from that uh could possibly be historical well what I've heard of the music is so great like Thank you. so beautiful the songwriting and the sonics the production mm. All of it. And so that was a piece of it. And then there was also a filmic piece that went along with it. Is that right? Almost like a... Mm -hmm. So you filmed the journey and you wrote along the way. Yeah. And all of that is... It's not quite officially done, but you delivered a kind of version of it on his 100th. And now you're kind of yeah. fine-tuning it for a proper right. potential release. Is that right? Or Many edits. Yeah, I mean, right. being yeah. done, right? Right. The it's F hard. word yeah. is finished. <laughs> right. uh, it's... We showed it to people. We played the, um, we performed the album live. Amazing. And that was the first thing that we really did in any, like, um, official. Well, that was the first right. time he told me that I did good, ever, <laughs> which was, which was. <laughs> Do you it, remember it that way, Drew? Uh, you, that you, it was the first time he has a steel trap memory this will come around that he remembers all this stuff that I don't so I'll just trust him on it yeah, he only well he's one. yeah at, don't at, expect you get at a couple practice he was time. mad he was like why don't you know what?" and I was like dude I was like I'm gonna get it and then when we were done you said you were like don't do that again because I'm gonna get addicted to that and I was like oh that was my Drew comp getting a compliment from Drew is hard but yeah we fucking nailed that show it, yeah Amazing. it felt so good and I had a tie on yeah it was awesome <laughs> which is to say we can always play the show that was the easy part because that's always going to be imperfect and evolving and so we we're able to play that as far as um, letting people have the album and have it be galvanized forever and the film we are that is harder to come by you know mm -hmm. but it will happen in uh, where are we at right now springtime I can't, we can't stand it much longer I think mm -hmm. in the next couple months we'll like figure out exactly how we want it to go and then yeah. set it free mm. but could, it's, could we talk about Norman Reedus maybe that's interesting so Norman Reedus obviously is uh, known in popular culture if he's not, then someone is not popular and doesn't know about culture. <laughs> or, right. you know, right. or they just don't like zombies and, and uh, boondock saints boondock and stuff. Saints, but, uh, but Norman, uh, I, I just uh, asked him, and he was like, fan of Kerouac, you seem cool, that's all I need to know. And I was like, whoa. And I just sent him so many things, like... All, like the whole he, he narrated the whole movie so I oh, sent him all these cool. things yeah. and he just read it and he was like Christopher Mansfield fences that's his voice sounds just like this <laughs> and good. it's the best voice ever and he just fucking sent it all and we sent him like an unreleased Kerouac poem no one's ever read ever and and he was like whoa and he read that perfectly and he got to a point and he was like he was like a Pawtucket Pawtucket what the what fuck, the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, he was like getting mad at me so like yeah. so like the poem was probably like eight minutes but he sent me like 40 minutes of him like cursing in between he's like, like I'm gonna kill you by the way yeah, he, yeah like, he did, he did, he's like I'm gonna kill you by the way and it was like it was so funny um, 
Such a nice guy. He's so cool. I'm sure you probably you know you know. I mean, I sent him pictures. I just got a kitten. I sent him pictures of that, and I'm like, I'm having a, a daughter, and you know, a lot of men that I'm meeting that are like in high power positions that are sort of attached to this project or other projects I do, they're all cat owners or fathers, and they're all very nice. <laughs> And so I'm like, cool. I'm like, I just need to start out like, do you have a daughter or own a cat? If you don't, I'm going to stay away because you're probably going to be very mean to me. And that's like, but, but he, he psyched and he, and he did it. And, um, that's, that's kind of crazy. One of the most frenetic nights of making this project, which there was a week of being on the road and that was utterly insane. But since then we've been, you know, hemming and hawing and, listening and you came in and recorded and stuff um but one of the most intense nights was when we were writing the script for norman mm. and uh horrifying i mean <laughs> i mean what is what, your brain doing yeah and you're trying to have this person represent your ideas on jack kerouac and it's just like too much you know what i mean it's like way too much responsibility there. it's yeah. been it's been very hard particularly because um just to like switch like uh first to second to third person narratives so if i said i chris mansfield sit at the wooden table covered by the plastic white next to drew with a yellow shirt by rain phoenix my pregnant wife in the corner the sun burning on my left shoulder easy that's me but what if i have to have someone else say that then I'm not that good because I mean maybe I'm a narcissist or something or or just a first person kind of cat yeah we just didn't hadn't used that muscle so much it was it was hard because yeah imagine you're you right and you have to be like rain phoenix Right, writing for persons. It's bizarre. so weird. It's, so bizarre. it's the weirdest shit ever. Let me ask you this, both of you, because I know you know we're talking specifically about this project, which I can't wait to see the finished finished project of yes. it. And I've heard some of the music, like I said, and I love it. But you both have a rich history of music, separate from this project. Can you both share a little bit about like that and where where you came from and how you connected on this? Like, what a strange. Uh, bedfellows, I would hmm. say, for this in some ways. I mean, yeah. you know, like, how he's did that my re- happen? He's my red herring. I'm kidding. <laughs> how did this collaboration happen, and where did you come from? I know, The story is so is so funny. I mean... It's cool. I, well, well, it is It is perfect. Do you want to tell each other's story? How about well, that? Well, he'll remember it really well. I'll end I, up I remember it everything yeah. for some reason. I have a, my brain is terrible. Well, no, or maybe good, but would you want to remember everything? Probably not. <laughs> I would say terrible. No, um, I... Well, well, Drew can tell his musical history first, and then I'll jump in okay. and tell when we met, and then mine is known. It's stupid. What's like, yours? Are you Fences? Is that yeah. what people should know? Just yeah. Google it, Fences. <laughs> You'll figure it out. Well, well, I mean, I did the thing with you, uh, the uh, school for... Uh, I, I did the song with uh, at, with Steve Albini's, a Nirvana cover for the, the Water for school children. It was all songs... Covering something about school. Oh yeah, you did do that. I did that was do with that. Steve Albini. Yeah. It was called. Be- um, that was Gift Horse Project. It was 2010. Yeah. And it was for the Lunchbox Fund. Yeah. Eleven who, years ago. Home. This is huh. basically. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. And that's weird. That yeah. Yeah. Probably- and I went to Steve Albini, and he and he was like eight hundred dollars, but he said you can use the in utero mic, and I did. <sighs> Wow! Yeah. I never told you that, but That's yeah, I did. Right. And I That's think it was Jenny so O who mm-hmm. connected us. 
Mm-hmm. So that's how I, yeah, that's how I remember you. But that's not like the only thing you're known for. That's just how we connected. Exactly. Yes. I mean, I'm known for a, 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 a geez, I don't know, Tegan and Sarah Macklemore at the drive-in. But, but you could see my probably uh, humbleness where I just start naming off other people. <laughs> yeah, you don't like to talk about you. I do got you? caught in that. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think I... Just uh, not in an expository way. Yeah. And I just, to talk, we can talk flowy, yeah. but don't make me pin it down to it. Yeah, I, I, I would say something. I would say that um, I do, I do uh, labor over literature and, and strings of prose and, and stuff like uh, Incarnations of a Burned Child by like David Foster Wallace and All the World's a Stage by Shakespeare, and I'm just throwing off probably extremely popular things, but I really care about words a lot. And I like to learn the tricks of words that Jack would do, and I call it the circle trick, and something in, in God music. So I say, um, and you're just a dead horse that you let me ride, and you are my dead horse that you let me ride. And so figuring out how to like circulate these words over and over and find the, the best analogies, whether it be animals or fundamentals of nature, mountains, rivers, whatever. I'm really obsessed with songwriting I know the chords really well, the saddest ones, and it's my life completely and forever. So that is what I do. And I've had some success and a whole lot of not. Um, and I guess that's who I am. You make beautiful music. That was a very poetic way to, to give your bio. It was yeah. awesome. Heavy bio. It was awesome. Uh, my, love your music. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, like, I love yours, comment. too. You know my manager loves yours, too. Oh, I told cool. him about this. Pat Magnarelli does a... Green Day and Goo Goo Dolls. He is like, oh, I had a big phase with her. He loves you. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> kind of cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right cool. on. Yeah. So tell us about yourself, Drew. If it's not too uncomfortable. <clears throat> no, it's not. Um, okay. I started music, uh, or music found me in like the '90s. You know, I was talking Steve Albini. That was the era, I think. It's like in utero, catching up with Nirvana just a touch too late, but I got to Rage Against the Machine right on time. And um, guitar was the thing that really hit me. I remember the first guitar. Like, I remember the day I had that the guitar came into my life, like a lightning bolt. And I don't remember anything before that, but I remember uh, that day. And ever since then, it's been a pursuit of my relationship with that instrument, which then has blossomed into songwriting and now producing and touring and things like that. But... Um, it started with a guitar, with this beat-up five-string guitar that my godfather gave me. And uh, upon moving out here, I'm from Baltimore. In Baltimore, I thought I would just be Tom Morello. I thought maybe I could just carry the torch from him or something. Maybe he would pass it to me. And I could, uh, like, rock shows and also speak truth to power and stuff like that. And, um, and then I came to L.A. and it became a little bit more of a business and less of a fantasy. And so I've sort of built a studio and uh, ended up working with lots of fun, different artists trying to figure out if there was any more truth to be had even for a little while. Um, and then ultimately how we, uh, how Chris and I were going to inevitably meet was that we share 
all of those types of things that we love the guitar and we love jazz and we love words and books and one another and we love being from the east coast in some capacity but being out here and being able to stretch out and breathe and and um, you can't forget the italian part. and that we are very italian you're both really italian well, well, my last name is is Mansfield, but it's adopted. My my father was adopted by his aunt because uh, my great, uh, well, my my father's father, I guess that would be just grandfather. Um, his nickname was the Animal. He was a Hell's Angel, and he was Sicilian. And his last name was D'Angelo. And then my father's mom and him both died of heroin. So her sister adopted my father mm. so I'm Sicilian mm. which is you know thank God mm-hmm. yeah but that's why we get along yeah. but Mansfield I don't know much about it other than Jane and, and she had beautiful breasts but that doesn't have anything to do with my life right yeah <laughs> funniest and, and the we would be remiss to not bring up Lene as our oh, dear yeah. friend who well, well, we met in the, in, the, in the funniest way because I don't think that he even knows because uh, Lene is like she's this fiery short haired redhead who's just always on the go and uh, she'll come pick you up when you don't even want to do stuff you know people like that mm-hmm. right you're like no nah, I don't want to go out tonight and she's like well I'm outside Yeah. and you're like man okay well and then you gotta go and, and she did that to me I was in Las Feliz I had a, a two month sublet uh, just in pure misery and uh, she picked me up brought me to the comedy store and then me and Drew are in the back. Theo Vaughn, Brendan Schwab, Joe Rogan, everyone, Joey Diaz, like all the all the cats, like all the comedy store guys. And then one of the, the uh, I think it was uh, Joey Diaz, grabs Drew's girlfriend. No, no, it was the he, other dude. The, the big one. He was the big one. Well, someone grabs Joe, uh, uh, Drew's girlfriend, and he's like, "Can I borrow your girl to bring her in?" So they think I got a hot girl. Yeah. And that, I, I, it's, that's not Joey Diaz. It's uh, who, I, I can't remember the comedian. It doesn't matter. But he has that Italian voice, and he's kind of bigger, and he's always on Rogan. He takes Drew's girlfriend, and he's totally sweet about it. He brings her in to the comedy store through the back way. I see Theo Vaughn hop a fence. Everything's just chaotic, and I'm like. This is like podcast fucking asshole heaven. And then, anyways, he's being so cool about it. And he's got a shirt on that says uh, Death Row Records. And then everyone everyone comes in, back together, like, you know, big Italian man hands off the princess to the fucking king. And then we walk down, and then Brian Callen grabs his arm, and he goes, you're a lucky man. That's the one. That was, and the, then, that was the obnoxious And then one. we step out, and I go, you know Brian Callen? And, you, and he goes, and you, you said to me, you go, no, he just said a broism. And I was like, that's a cool word. Um, so we just got caught up in that. So then I went home, and I put his phone in as Drew Death Row, because his shirt said Death Row Records. And that's still in my phone to this day. So I remain. But, but basically, I met kind of... And he was not that nice. You weren't that nice to me. No offense. Um, you weren't mean, but you were quiet. You had to earn that compliment from last month. So he was sort of this, like, quiet, cocky Italian with a girl that all these, like, washed-up comedy store guys wanted to bang. That was... And that's how we met. Wow. Sort that's of. That's your... How, that's your... How you remember him... 
the perception of yeah. how you remember me. He, but I, he nailed it. And, the, and Lene, I, he, nailed, I, I did nail it. You nailed Lene, too. <laughs> Lene, uh, who I think had sort of like machinations. She for, knew for we had to come before together. That it was going to happen. And maybe she was like floating it out. And she sent me his music. And to the point that she'll pick you up and take you places. She just picked me up from the airport on Friday and took me to yeah. Bikini Kill at... So uh, Lene should be here right yeah, now. Yeah, really. totally. It was exactly that. We don't said, even have to be here. Lene <laughs> will tell you about the Kerouac like, do project. we have to go? Like, I'm coming. My flight had been delayed and stuff. She's like, you're just making a quick pit stop to the Greek theater. And sure enough. I mean, that's what again. it was. But but it was like, in in my defense about how I felt about Drew the first night, is that no one had told me even what he did. So I, what, Lene didn't say, oh, he plays music. You should get along. She just goes, you're going to love Drew. And I'm like, well, I thought maybe he rolled dice. Or like, <laughs> I don't know what he did. I didn't fucking, like, he was, he was a, uh, he rode horses. I don't know. The platonic Astronaut. matchmaker. Yeah. yeah, but she gave a me sweet. no, she said nothing about music. But then there was something when we left. And then we hit back. And then I remember I, I went down to San Diego and I took a train up, up, and I met Drew, and it was at night, and it was in, like, a little room by a pool, just him alone. And I played him a Pale King, and he made, like, my favorite song I've ever made. Wow. Like, within, like, 15 minutes. And then some, from then on, I've been in love with him musically. Like, it was, like, so spooky how he took the sound. Because he was able to take harmonies and sounds that I didn't even know I thought of and just... Like just like weird stuff behind like a G, like just threw him over there, and it was like, I was like, wow, this guy's like a fucking magician, and 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 since then I I've texted him every day. Wow, so you guys are actually good friends. That's sweet, huh? Yeah, yeah. I think it is. So, I think I yeah I think so. And you've been like hand in hand in this project for over a year, right? Yeah, well, that we heard from them was a year ago. The, okay. It was pretty compressed. Well, that's why I called him. I called him. Yeah. Right. Because I, cause that was pretty new. Right. Him and I on that that's was true. pretty new. That's and true. then I got this big thing, and I was like, okay, so Jack Kerouac, like the most esteemed American writer besides, like, what, like Hemingway and, you know, I mean, it's like, he's, what is he, like, required reading in high school? I was, like, horrified. It was like, my penis is shrinking into my body and my eyes are turning back into my head. I can't do anything. And I go, wait, I know a very confident Italian who has a good studio. <laughs> and he makes me feel powerful. So I fucking called Drew straight up. And I was like, Drew, do you want in on this? And he was just like, oh, fuck yeah. And, th and then here we are. Basically, that's really what happened, ain't it? Yeah, yeah. I just needed help. I was scared by myself. How did music first find you? Drew shared a little bit about that for him, but what, like, what was your first remembrance of how, like, when you turned to music as a, a way through? Man, my memory can go so far back because I've been seeing this uh, this healer way out in the valley called uh, Reverend Emma. Um, she's a reverend, so it's like highly Christian, but she's highly psychic. But we go back into the womb where I'm arguing with God, but. I can push out, and and I'm not kidding. I mean, she really brought me into these memories. Well, my first memory of music is crying when my little sister was taken away, Alyssa, and uh, her her father was Spanish, and I spoke, you know, fluent Spanish. And I heard Feliz Navidad in the car, 
driving away from her with like garbage bags full of my stuff and then I cried to that music and I go Feliz Navidad I, if I hear that song I cry now so that was my first time of going okay so sound makes you cry mm. and this I mean I was probably nine eight you know so that's my first musical memory other than that it would be the stuff that would really affect me sonically like quarterly um or or like when you for when it first found you too like um as a I would say bush glycerine that that song okay. don't let the days go by uh, yeah. glycerine how old are you uh man well, probably like 12 yeah. or 6th okay. grade yeah wow i heard that and i loved but but i lived in washington and um, I was telling him, my friend Steve Raniero, uh, his dad, I told you about that, his dad went and had to go see Kurt. Remember? Yeah. yeah. So we were all into Kurt. We were like, we're like, how do we play this thing left-handed? Stealing our dad's flannels. I mean, <laughs> that was a thing. I mean, so it kind of was that for me, Feliz Navidad. And then actually my aunt, Dolly, got me some weird, yeah, she got me like Stone Temple Pilots core. She got me Tool Enema. She got me, like, Nirvana Nevermind. She got me Nine Inch Nails Downward Spiral. I mean, I was, like, freaking out. Wow, yeah. And I was just, like, flipping them. I was in the, and I was in my room just like, who am I? What is it? <laughs> like, just losing my mind. And I had a guitar, and, like, there was probably, like, two strings on it. I'm like, how do I tune this? And um, But it was heaven because, to me, it, that's, that's the origin story. You know that I mean, or, or even the villain story. I mean, that's I fucking I can, I can still see it all, and and so easy what those guys were saying. I mean, I listened to even I remember uh, a Portrait of an American Family. I mean, Marilyn Manson, nineteen ninety four. I mean, uh, nineteen ninety six was Antichrist Superstar. But by then, I was sort of climbing out of that shit, and I was getting more into like Rush. And like Weather Report and Jazz Fusion around 96, 97, but sorry. Um, but in, but kind of pre 96, I was, I was, I was deep into that stuff. And I was, I was listening to like Ice T, Freedom of Speech, You Better Watch What You Say. I had a tape that my stepdad used to hide from me that there's a skit in between a song where he's like, You ever heard what a motherfucking drill sounds like going through a motherfucker's head? And it's like, and it's like, they play a beat, like an 808 beat over a drill going through a, a, a brain on a, on an iced tea tape. And I was like 11. Body count. <laughs> it was. Yeah. yeah. So that was the stuff. So probably the same for him. So I think him and I were into that all like really rebellious, aggressive stuff mm. that was like so beautiful in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. And cool. it, yeah, so that's... That's it. Okay, now what about things that like are important to you in the world, like your form of activism, or what really twists twists you into wanting to use your art to help the world? Is there anything specific that gets you out and gets you motivated? He can he can go first. I mean, I I have I have a million examples, but my examples are not going to be like trendy. They're going to be like. We don't need them to be trying well, to. We just want the truth. They're going to be need income equality. Okay, we need to bring some sort of material change to the working class in like the most 
incremental way would be fine. Anything other than working against the interest of the majority, which is uh, oftentimes how it is going. Um, certainly, we were right off the back of this like Supreme Court leak thing, which just we were kind of maybe on the opposite side of, of that argument, but. Um, surely we're like taking power away from the people and I'd love to give power to the people yeah. and that is what the guitar has always been to me is mm. like the uh, means by which I would get to do that it mm. is like my pitchfork and torch mm. um, but it is all so insurmountable too that sometimes it just feels like you're just like talking about it and it's like performative yeah. um, but what I would like to do with music and film and art and people and culture is uh, make people feel better and be able to go on vacation and see doctors and take up a hobby and love one another freely and undo their trauma and things like that this sounds to like a just fantastic thing yeah it's, <laughs> many things can't but we they're all, all agree on that yeah i think we can simple it is so simple it's a, it's a shame because i think we do all agree on that the, i think you know Greed is a really terrible thing. So, for those who have that, the codifying of greed is yeah. where we're at. There's like greed that I too am subject to. Mm -hmm. I also have greed, um, but it's only one man with one man's greed. I do. I have no machine behind me mm -hmm. to really uh, propagate that. Mm -hmm. And so. Um, Everyone can live with my greed. It's pretty mellow. Right. <laughs> but as far as like using all of the power of um, our, you know, whatever, being as rich as a country or cutting edge or whatever the hell we are, using that to um, generally benefit the very few and, and hurt the majority, it's like, a, it's like tiresome to even talk about anymore. It's not even a new position. It's exactly what Zach De La Roca was telling me back then and what Joe Strummer was telling him mm. and whatever. And why we people even left the UK to begin with to come over here was to like get out from under oppression and like God kings and stuff like that. And, um, and man, we're just still here. So it is a Buddhist thing, really. We're kind of like just reliving this thing as humans until we finally figure it out that giving stuff away is way cooler than keeping it to yourself mm. yeah attachment aversion mm. create suffering both those things for yeah. sure yeah wow thank you for that it was a little high head moment I always love those whenever possible we like to have a little it's so, it's so of, fresh right now. A little wake-up jolt of spirituality. When, what about a song? Is this from the Kerouac? This is Kerouac? actually how we I'm do gonna do. This is how our musical partnership <laughs> has evolved. Okay. You ever heard this before? You'll like this. Somebody wrote a riff. That's amazing. All right, uh, so I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll do the song. So You ready? All right. Through your eyes, through your eyes, through your eyes. 
so low And I became a small thing The flapping and humming of hummingbird wings Cause they flew and they landed right next to me Clouds, goodbye, Colorado. I follow you now. A hand shaped by clouds, goodbye, Colorado. I follow you now. I was talking through the so beautiful yeah, uh, I felt like it was a, in the moment autobiographical song yeah. lyrics yeah. <laughs> that was beautiful thank you both so much for being on the show yeah, and so sharing fun. about your project you. and music and art and and uh, curiosities and uh, gentleness and aggression and all the good stuff and gentleness the, and aggression yeah you <laughs> yep. tattoo that hands. on me <laughs> both. Um, that's yeah. what this tattoo is even is the hatchet uh, the tomahawk and the peace pipe like oh yeah the cool way to handle this argument or the aggressive uh-huh it's gotta be one 
Um, I was gonna say I got both in my house, so yeah, I'll see you in a minute. Uh, Destination Angels is the name of the project. Thank and so you. When people are uh, when when we have uh, finally released it here in a matter of weeks, that's how people find it. Destination Angels. Okay, and can you share with us where you can find you on the interwebs, both of you separately and together? The project, if you have that set together, up. he is on Spotify as Fences, which I've produced a bunch of that music with him in tandem, and there's lots more music there. And then uh, I go by Falconry is uh, how you'll find me on okay. Instagram and Spotify and other things like that. Okay. And again, the name of the film and music project. It's called. You gonna do it together? Right. Destination, Destination Angels. Angels. We gotta work on that, but the rest of it's good. <laughs> thanks. Thanks so much, you guys. Yeah. So great to have you. Thank you. <laughs> Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields.